From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Innovators radio show and podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned thought leaders, founders, and game changers committed to ideas, innovation, and entrepreneurship well executed. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggle, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes purpose-driven entrepreneurs and game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by executive producer of Stanford Athletics, Beyond the Champions, radio show, and principal of Podfather Media, Tom Dioro. We are honored and really super excited to be with uh, Tony Alexander, president and creative director at Intercommunications Incorporated. Intercommunications Incorporated is a full-service branding and marketing firm specializing in real estate and resort projects worldwide. Feel free to visit their website at intercommunications.com. That's intercommunications.com. Hello, Tony. Again, we're honored and thrilled to have you on the Innovator Show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. Tony, we, we, as we talked in, our, in the lobby, the digital lobby, is a, a quote or a prayer or a mantra and uh, share with us or your audience today what, uh, what quote and mantra resonates with you. Well, I think probably uh, the shortest one would, would be if you can dream it, you can do it. And I think it's been something that I've kind of carried with me um, for many, many years. And, uh, and a lot of my ideas truly come in my dreams. So um, I'm living the dream. I love that living the dream. And why does that quote matter so much to you? Because obviously if you're envisioning that and then to make it out into what we call the 3d, uh, yeah. not everyone's able to do that. And I think part of it is a, a, an element of fear and you're, I'll say something I noticed from your work and just in talk with, there's a, there's a fearlessness with you. Is that by design or just something that you really, it really matters to you? Well, you know, all of us, uh, I think, are programmed um, from the time we were small um, to some degree. You know, I grew up a little bit different than most of my contemporaries and a lot of the people that, you know, I I guess I compete with. You know, I, um, I didn't have a very easy childhood. I didn't grow up in that perfect nuclear family. My dad passed away when I was really young. My mother and I were beneficiaries of, you know, the social security system. So we lived off of food stamps. And uh, so life was, you know, life was challenging. And, uh, and at the same time, I, you know, I didn't know anything really all that much different. When my dad was alive, he was a, he was a chauffeur for Sam Goldwyn, the, you know, well-known, obviously, um, studio owner, producer, et cetera. And, and occasionally my dad would um put me in the back seat of the limousine and um and and drive me around and i don't know if it was just that experience that stuck with me of uh, you know that there was i didn't know what that other life was like out there other than perhaps what i m- might have seen you know as a, as a kid um you know in television you know limited television that i saw but I did know there was something else out there so, other than the life that I was living. So um, so I think, again, you know, it comes back to that dream thing of um, imagining. And my dad, I think, was a, a strong reinforcer uh, that probably in his own way 
made me recognize that it was really going to be up to me in terms of whatever, you know, my life was, was going to, how it was going to unfold. And, um, and I, I think I've been very much a very self-reliant person in terms of just as a, even as a young kid saying that if I'm going to change the way and the place that I live and experience the things that I know are out there, I'm going to be the one that has to make it happen. I can't look to others to always, um, you know, wait for that thing to drop out of the sky, the care package or whatever you want to call it. Tony, the, your website is fantastic, in my opinion. That it is. It's, it's actually engaging. It's one of the very few I've seen in any marketplace that actually makes me want to stay and look at what else is there, regardless of the industry. So well done, for sure. One of the, Thank uh, you. Uh, you're welcome. The two of the um, points that you make on the website, not just the graphics and the uh, intelligence on there, is the stories intrigue and excite us. Stories have the power to change minds. Share with us how that came about, because I noticed the word stories in there, obviously, uh, several times. Well, um, now, nowadays, uh, and I'm going to say here in, in recent years, it seems like everybody's a storyteller. I mean, back when I was young, um, the, the best storyteller that I knew at the time was Walt Disney. And, uh, and perhaps there was an influence there uh, in terms of the path that I would take um, getting through school and going to college and kind of trying to figure out, you know, which road that I would take. But, you know, it wasn't maybe even only just the visual aspect of what Walt Disney brought to, uh, you know, to the television and the Mouseketeers and then, of course, movies and, and so forth. Music also was a, a, was a big influencer for me. And the way certain musicians, certain singers, I'll say, um, could put a story across and, and probably one of the first memories that I have as a, a kid um, growing up and being influenced by music was the way um, Frank Sinatra would put a song across. And it was, you know, it wasn't just singing. It was, you know, the, his tone and what he would emphasize. And and so in many ways, I think um, he too was uh, another element in and perhaps the, you know, that direction of saying at some point in my life, it would be great if I could find a way to uh, emulate some of this that somehow impacts me. And, um, and, and as a kid, I really liked, I liked music. It, w it was an escape from my life, um, my everyday life, I guess. And, um, and so, you know, I became, you know, I became very interested in music and, and and singing while I was not a trained singer, um, I I did a lot of singing and I started writing songs and um, as a as a teenager and and I think my my goal in in the back of my mind was you know would this be a possibility of you know finding my way you know on the stage and using music or drama to. Uh, allow me to, you know, be, be a storyteller in a, in a professional way. How did you become focused in the real estate and resort marketplace? 
Well, um, I saw something uh, again as uh, a young person going through college. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I wish I could attribute who was the, uh, was the individual in the advertising business that, um, that said this, I'm, I'm sure with a little research, I could find it, but I remember reading something about that advertising was the most fun you could have with your clothes on. And, um, and it, it sort of intrigued me and, and I never really thought much about advertising, but, um, I started to, you know, look into it a little bit and, um, and it seemed like stories had to get told to sell products and they had to be very quick stories. And, um, and I thought, well, you know, while I'm trying to find my way to the stage and screen, um, you know, maybe, maybe a job in the advertising business might be a, be, might not be the most perfect thing that, um, that I could do, but, it's, it, it felt like it was a step in the right direction. So I started working for a, for a large advertising agency, um, of course, at the, at the bottom of the stack, but that's kind of in those days, that's kind of how you did it. And, um, and I really, really began to like it. I, I, I think it just, uh, one thing led to another and I started working on a lot of different accounts and, um, and then in this process of working for this firm for a couple of years, I kind of looked around and I thought, you know, of all the, of all the businesses that I've, I've had a chance to get a connection to, um, you know, selling toothpaste when you have, you know, 50 different toothpastes on, on the various shelves and the, in the drugstore or sure. wherever, just, it just wasn't as so motivating to me. And it was, it was actually you know, you know, challenging because you had to find a way to take one toothpaste and make it, you know, interesting from the other hundred or how many other brands. And I, and I looked around, I realized that real estate was probably one of the most uh, primitive um, businesses that I had ever come across from the standpoint of marketing and, uh, and certainly advertising. And so I decided at about you know, uh, maybe a little early in my career that, you know, working for somebody else might not really be the answer. And that maybe what I needed to do was find a way to have my own business and take this concept I had and apply it to, um, to the real estate profession. So that was kind of the transition that happened there. And, um, and then I kind of went a little bit further and I recognized that part of the issue with real estate was, you know, there was no, there was no promise to anybody about anything. It was just a commodity and that properties were just being sold because they'd put a sign up and say, we have houses here for sale. And, um, so I think, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm kind of the mother of branding for real estate, but in, in some ways I know I was ahead of the game. Um, I remember giving a speech in 1990 as a member of the urban land Institute and, uh, and I'm, and the title of my speech was turn your land into a brand. Mm. And there were about 6,000 people. I was giving this speech in Phoenix in this audience. And I'm not sure that at least for a whole lot of them, that they really, they really knew what they were coming to hear when I gave this speech, but it was really taking, <laughs> taking branding back to the early days when large 
you know, uh, let's say barrels um, that were made out of ceramic and wine was put in them and there was a stamp that would go out on the outside of them to define what they were. And, uh, and I think I had to go back to the Romans in order to be able to really help people in the audience understand um, that a brand really is a promise and it's a promise that distinguishes your product. And then come all the various, you know, just telling story is not enough at, at the heart of it. You have to find, you know, those things that are the differentiators that truly make your product special in order to become a brand. So, um, so that was really the start of of what really kicked off my company, Intercommunications. Was I started with homes that were, you know, kind of low to middle priced houses uh, here in Orange County, and um, and from there suddenly found myself uh, in far flung places, starting to to brand projects that weren't necessarily just about housing; they were about golf and about you know, country clubs and went to work, um, in Indonesia, actually in Jakarta, um, working for Tommy Sawardo, who then ran, you know, the country. So, um, so I kind of made a big leap from, you know, uh, houses priced from, I don't know, $40,000 and up to, uh, you know, to, to a whole exotic, uh, country, uh, thousands and thousands of miles from Orange County. Wow, this is terrific. I'm fascinated by the show and we've just started. This is also the Innovators Show, KZSU Stanford 90.1. We're talking today with Tony Alexander, President and Creative Director at Intercommunications Incorporated. For more information, feel free to visit their website at intercommunications.com, intercommunications.com. Uh, Tony, you, you talk with, about the brand as, as a promise. That level of promise, I have a belief, and not everyone shares the same thing, that actually trust is, is, may be more important than love. <laughs> I know that might be a little reaching, but I, I, if all things considered, I would prefer to be trusted than loved. What's your take on that, personally or professionally, or you don't even have to answer it? No, I, I'm, I'm glad you did ask that question, because, um, again, somewhere I remember reading uh, about trust and um and then the specific um let's say listing of people we don't trust and i think probably about next to a car dealer land developers were right right there <laughs> um and and i i know that sounds perhaps a little bit bizarre but you'd have to turn back the clock you know 3 decades to imagine, you know, the promises that were then made by people selling land and people selling then product that maybe was offered on the land and and not living up to that promise. Um, you know, people buying homes that, you know, had problems and serious problems and we don't have to go into what those problems might have been. But um, that that became very clear to me that, um, land developers are a little bit different than just builders. Builders get into the market and are generally out in about 18 months. Uh, developers, if they're taking, you know, a large land track, let's say it's a thousand, 2000 acres, they're going to be in the, in, in the market through maybe one or two different economic cycles. 
and lots of things can happen. And, um, and by that, I mean, land developers always have to take the long view, um, the long view in terms of, you know, I can't keep selling the same type of product over, let's say a 10 year period. I'm going to always have it have to be thinking about the new things that I'm going to have to bring into play in order to be able to, um, continue to finish selling, you know, this amount of land. And, uh, and, and then when the economic cycles, unfortunately, go down, how am I going to function and how am I going to continue to survive until the good times come back again? So it's, it's, uh, it's you know, a, a lot of big, you know, rolling of the dice in a sense. Uh, you, you're, always, you're always having to think about, um, about the future. So, you know, in terms of what builders you bring into your product, how you design it, what new, um, I always call them kind of marketing events, you know, for the next phase of development, what will I have to bring in here to make the existing residents feel good about another 500 new homes or perhaps 500 new people coming to live in my community so that people are feeling good about welcoming, you know, new, new, new folks into, into the larger place. So, you know, I think that, um, I think always having that long view, um, you know, is, 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 is one of those things that I think, uh, I got a chance working for the Irvine company to, to truly understand how valuable and important, um, you know, those kinds of considerations are. Um, and then when it, when I left, you know, let's say just working in Orange County and continue to expand my business into, well, what ended up being almost 30 countries around the world, you know, that thought never left me. It was, it was always, you know, as a marketer, um, you know, we always have to be thinking ahead and we always have to be thinking for the future and how it's not only going to affect the people that are going to live here. But then even early on, taking into consideration the environment. And one of the first projects I worked on, which um, was really new to the world from the standpoint of environment, was uh, this Lowe's project in, um, in Tucson um, that, that we worked on. You know, Ventana Canyon was the name of it. And it was ahead of its time because we got the developer um, prior to his actually um, putting in the foundation for what was going to be a a Lowe's hotel um, to actually move the whole project over to save uh, probably a 200 plus year old saguaro cactus. Mm. And, um, and truly that made, that made the press because, you know, nobody was really thinking about cactus, let alone the environment uh, back in the, you know, let's say, late eighties, early nineties. So that was another, I'd say differentiator for my company was getting into the environment and, um, and, and making sure that it was part of the larger story that, you know, developers needed to speak to. I'm going to go back to to you had said uh, earlier in your show is about the mantras. You, uh, you like to create your own mantra and connect connect with your own soul and i use the mantra just interface with brand instead of mantra here just to for superficial reasons but i noticed in your work and correct me if i'm wrong that the the companies that you've worked with that you've helped create the brand create their marketing pieces their outreach 
it seems as if you draw out of them their brand more so than you actually bestow one in your own mind. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, I think I do remember one quote of, um, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Correct. And not to say that I was the teacher, but in a sense, I kind of was. It was always trying to think of ways that I could help, you know, my client, uh, the developer, um, maybe look to distinguishing, you know, his product, the place he was developing in a new and fresh way, depending on what was, you know, going on in the marketplace at the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, developers don't always want to do it the way you as a consultant see it. But fortunately, I had had uh, enough experience, you know, with with some people that were doing it right. And I alluded to the Irvine Company because I think in many ways, there are a lot of things that were done right on, on the Irvine Ranch. And, um, you know, so... Um, so I think that, you know, that was that was one of the things that I, I, I really, you know, kind of emphasized with my business was that, you know, I may not always agree with the way, you know, you might want to approach, you know, the packaging and market marketing of your project. But I can tell you that to be on the cutting edge, you know, you have to understand the consumer and and the consumer is the king. And if the consumer is um, feeling like they'll that perhaps they would pay more to live in one of your communities because you, you you're doing something that wasn't mandated by the you know the local authorities mm-hmm. um, or just trying to keep up with the next developer, but that you saw the opportunity to lead the way because of something that you knew uh, you know internally was the right thing to do. Uh, I think that I would always try to emphasize that uh, with working with my with my clients. It's, um, it's not just, you know, it's not just doing what you do, but it's doing the right thing. This is the Innovators Podcast. We're talking today with Tony Alexander, President and Creative Director at Intercommunications Incorporated. For more information, feel free to visit intercommunications.com. That's intercommunications.com. Tony, with the uh, businesses constantly evolving, specifically the real estate a resort and and land development, the expectations also evolve. What's changed in your experience over the last, say, two or even two or three years? Well, I think that um, the pandemic has done a lot. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> you know. For telling, I think for mentioning something about not having quotes, but then at the same time, I start thinking about all the things that really do influence me. You know, we we really don't see things as they are. Um, we see them as we are. And I know that my personal experiences over the pandemic um, made me, forced me actually, to go out and do a, a, a study on about a thousand folks uh, across the country to understand. And this was for, you know, for Intercom, for my company, to help me understand what, what it, it was going to be like going through this pandemic and what would things perhaps be like when the pandemic was over. And, um, and I think that, you know, I've always believed in research, you know, coming out of a, you know, major for a advertising agency, you know, we had two floors of, you know, uh, researchers when I, when I worked, um, you know, in that business, but, um, 
you know, and if, if the whole idea of knowledge is power, I think understanding what the consumer is thinking. And I think what we gleaned out of that was everybody took a look inward at themselves and said, you know, what's missing in my life? You know, uh, if I'm here in my home and I can't go out because of this disease, what will I do when I have that chance to go back out? And and I think thinking about how I was feeling about it, uh, and then being having that whole thought reinforced by this research, you know, made me recognize that um, things were going to be different after the pandemic. And and some of the things again that we we gleaned was that people were probably going to be absolutely ecstatic to break through to the other side and get back to traveling again. And that's exactly what's happened. And that there are people that, you know, maybe weren't even much in the way of travelers Mm -hmm. who suddenly said, you know what, life's short. I've got to go find ways to experience life and, and, and do new and different things. I've got to spend more time with my family. I need to be closer to my children. I need to be closer to my husband or my wife or whatever. And, and we, as a, as a, as a group, you know, need to, you know, have had these kinds of experiences in our lives to make our lives richer. And uh, so I think that, you know, um, you know, again, the, you know, Proust once once said, you know, the real voyage of discovery, um, you know, uh, consists not of in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. And I think that uh, there's no question that, you know, people were coming out of this with new eyes. And, and that's really what is the heart and soul of my business, back to that word soul. It's discerning what are those new experiences going forward that, again, we will be differentiators, but uh, allow people to experience places in, in new and exciting ways that, that they never had before. And, uh, you know, we, we brought some of that to our big project in um, Costa Rica, which, um, you know, is called Peninsula Papagayo, started a, a, a discovery program for, you know, not just children, but um, led by, you know, local Costa Ricans to take people and their families, it could be just their kids, but in most cases, it was the entire family, to experience things, you know, not just zip lines, but, you know, to really be in the, in, in the tropical forest, to be on an estuary, you know, in a kayak, you know, it, it didn't always have to be, you know, something that might border on danger. It was more about experiencing the world like you've never experienced. Um, even at our other project, at Hualalai, you know, on the big island of Hawaii, you know, seeing a whole family go out in a canoe and paddle for the first time together and paddle, let's say, up the coast, you know, just before sunrise and and be in this canoe and watch the sun start to peek over the top of Mauna Kea. Um, It's like a a rebirth. So, I mean, these are the kinds of of things that we would help our clients create and program. And, you know, it's no longer just about sitting next to the pool with that tropical drink with an umbrella in it. So, um, things have changed and, um, and, and we've been a, we've played a dynamic role in making that change at these, these properties, um, all over the world. That's terrific. Tony, what would you like to share with your audience 
today that we may not have touched on? Well, I, I, I guess, um, you know, there are resorts and there are resorts. Um, I, I, I do really believe that, you know, today, sometimes being able to go to the right places where, again, programming becomes a very important part of the centerpiece of these places and having the opportunity to do things that you maybe living in the city where you live, you would never do. Um, it's amazing that as you experience new things, you really learn so many things about yourself. And, um, you know, that opportunity to connect with yourself at a much deeper level, um, I think it makes you feel more alive, um, more in touch with who you are as a person, um, not to mention that opportunity to be able to share those experiences with people that are very close to you that makes them even closer. So, um, so I would say that, you know, if, if there is a stairway, you know, of success, um, for your life, that it's exciting when, you know, it could be something that isn't just your work a day. Uh, it isn't just being at home, just doing the ordinary things that you kind of go through, sometimes getting away from it all and being in these, um, you know, special, special spaces, special places that, um, have been, you know, given to us, those of us, you know, uh, that have the benefit to, you know, and it doesn't have to be something, a place that you have to actually get on a plane to mm. go to. It can be on a bike and be, you know, in the, in the Mesa, you know, one of the credible Mesas in, in Utah, and you're on a, you know, you're just on a bike, just riding through nature. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's magic there and that awareness, um, gives you, you know, a sense of, you know, not only excitement, but a, a, a sense of really connecting with, with, with your own soul. So, um, so I think, you know, that would be one of the things I, I certainly would want to impart to your listeners this morning that, um, the world is out there for the taking. And, um, I would encourage you all to, uh, go out there and, and, and be a beneficiary of it all. Tony, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you as our guest. Thank you very much. Well, thank you too, Tom. I've been, uh, it's been fun to think about some of the good things that have happened to me over the last, you know, three, almost four decades. And uh, I hope that the good Lord will give me the opportunity to keep doing it for a lot longer. Absolutely. Absolutely, Tony. You've been listening to the Innovators Podcast and Show. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest today was Tony Alexander, President and Creative Director at Intercommunications Incorporate. Intercommunications Incorporate is a full-service branding and marketing firm specializing in real estate and resort projects worldwide. For more information, feel free to visit their website, intercommunications.com. That's intercommunications.com. The Innovators radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Stanford, California, and on location. The audio engineer is Eris Chikopoulos and chief engineer Mark Lawrence. And the executive producer of The Innovators is Tom Dioro. <laughs>